0: All right, so who's ready for the word today? (laughs) Who's ready for the word today? All right, see, why couldn't you just do that the first time? All right, open up your... I am so pumped up to impart this message to you today that God has shown me that he's just really worked on this in me for a number of years. I I would kind of categorize this message, if we were putting it into a topic side, uh, as an identity message, a message about who are we in Christ and how, are we, how have we uh, achieved that, how do we arrive at that place, okay? So this is very personalized for everyone today. And let's begin by reading in verses 14 through 23 in chapter 11. It says, Jesus was casting out a demon. And that demon was mute. And so it was when the demon had gone out that the mute man began to speak. And the multitudes marveled. But some of them said, he casts out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. And others testing him sought from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against a house fails. If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? Because you say, I cast out demons by Beelzebub. But if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. Here it goes. Listen to this. It says, but if I cast out demons... With the finger of God, then surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. And When a strong man... is just two little verses of a short parable that he follows this up with. He says, when a strong man fully armed guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. He who is not with me is against me. Hallelujah. Whew, feel the spirit of God in this place right now. You know, when you just speak the word in faith, it just releases something into the atmosphere. Did you know that? I encourage you, speak the word in faith over your life and release things into your atmosphere out of heaven. And Let me pray before we dig in and unpack this. Father, in Jesus' name. God, I ask that you would just anoint me today. Help me to speak and preach your word. Lord, there is no way that I can do anything up here that would result in transform lives on my own. There is no way that that can happen if you don't show up, get involved, and do this work. So I yield to you, Holy Spirit. I just ask you to increase in me and, and, if, and impact the lives of people here today. I'm just your vessel. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, awesome story here. Jesus comes along and much like particular miracle is that he casts out a demon. And he casts out a specific demon that is causing a man to be mute. So he can't speak. And that's the bondage that this demon in particular has been able to form a stronghold in this guy's life with. And Jesus comes along, and with his authority, he casts this demon out of this man. And these religious types, the cynics, just like we see over and over again, instead of responding by celebrating this amazing liberation that's just happened for this man, they start to question and become cynical, and they aim to try and stump Jesus or discredit him. Make a mockery of him as to keep themselves looking better. The religious spirit is a horrible spirit that keeps people focused on themselves and, and keeps them from allowing Jesus into their lives. And so Jesus says, look, you're thinking that I've just cast out this demon spirit from this man by a power of another evil spirit. He refers to that evil spirit as Beelzebub, which was basically a prince demon that was a Philistine god in a region called Akron. And so what he's saying, what Jesus is saying, he's, he's dislodging or dismantling their theory here. He's saying, look, if I used one of Satan's demons, Beelzebub, who's under Satan, to cast out this other demon, this mute demon, which is also under Satan then that doesn't make any sense because what happens is Satan is against himself and a house divided cannot stand. So he just dismantles their theory. But he goes further. He actually flips this thing over and kind of throws it back on them and begins to put them on their heels. Don't you love the wisdom of Jesus, how he does that? I mean, they had to be thinking. I can only imagine they had to be thinking, oh boy, we just got ourselves into a spot now. I mean, he just dismantled our theory, and here he goes with what he says after that. He says, listen, if I am actually casting out this demon by the finger of God, which means the power of God, if that's what is causing this demon to leave, then surely the conclusion is the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God has come Upon you, So he says that if, if it's not by Beelzebub that I'm doing this and it's by the power of God and surely what you need to understand is that the kingdom of God has actually come upon you. So the, the title of this message today is A Collision of Two Worlds. A Collision of Two Worlds. And this is what I want you to do. I, I want you to look at the scriptures and as I unpack this... Notice, see, what are the two worlds? Where is the collision happening, you in your own life, and the life that God has called you to live here on earth? All right? Are you with me so far? So taking a look at this breakdown, he says, the kingdom of God has come upon you. The word kingdom means the extent of the reign or the sphere in which the king and his authority reigns to so it's like the whole extent of an area that the authority of that king in that region uh moves out into and he's saying that that reign that authority is of god or is from heaven so a a a kingdom from a heavenly realm has actually come down and come upon you. To come upon means to arrive, it means to overcome, it means to subdue, it means to collide with. And this is where the collision is happening. Jesus comes and he brings the kingdom of heaven with him and he is bringing it in a way where it is literally Colliding with another kingdom, which is the kingdom of this world. Now, let me break that part down for you. Because you have to understand that the world that Satan occupies and that he roams around in, seeking whom he may devour, is like a region or a kingdom. Now, think about this. In the book of Genesis... God creates Adam and Eve. And one of the things that he says to man is that I am giving you dominion to subdue, to be fruitful and multiply here in this earth. Okay, so the original intent from our creator is that we would have the dominion in this earth. Adam and Eve didn't make it two generations. And they already forfeit That dominion in the fall in the Garden of Eden through the temptation of Satan. Here's how I know that. When Satan was tempting Jesus in the wilderness during the 40 days, one of the things that he tempted Jesus with was this. He said he took him up on a high mountain and it says that he showed him all of the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, if you'll worship me, Jesus, then I will give you all of the authority of these kingdoms of the world. He said, because it has been delivered unto me. When was it delivered? All the way back in the fall. That was not the original intent that God had created man with. So what Jesus is saying here, if we get this, is he's saying, I have come and I have brought a- as rules and privileges and rights and all of that, that those who are a part of that kingdom enjoy and are able to walk in. Do you get that? And he's saying, I've come and I have Brought a kingdom that is now colliding with the kingdom of this world that Satan has been occupying and reigning in since the Garden of Eden back at the fall. This is paramount, folks, because this is a pivot point. This is a shift in reign. Do you understand that here on the earth? This is a shift in authority. And Jesus goes on to say this little parable. He says, Here's kind of what it's like you have a strong man who occupies his own palace, right? Palace, a a kingdom. And he is comfortable because he's wearing his own armor. He's got all of his own goods and his things. He feels safe and secure. Who is the strong man? Satan. That's who this is implying in this parable. He says it's like a strong man who's in his own palace doing his thing and he's guarding over it and he's secure there. However, one stronger than he who is the one that's stronger? Jesus, right? Comes along and overcomes the strong man, takes his goods, and divides the spoil. Now I want to show you an example. Marcus, can you come up here for just a second and run as fast as you can? He's our head of security. If you had to chase somebody down, I'm not sure if that <laughs> So, we're going to allow Marcus to help us at this demonstration today, and we're going to say that Marcus is Satan. <laughs> it's always the place you want to be in a demonstration, right? And so, Satan is the strong man, you know, and he's got all this stuff, he, he's got, you know, sin, and he's got bondage, and he's got death, and all these things that he rules by over this world that's been turned over to him, Right? And Jesus says, yeah, you know, he's a strong man, and he's got all these things that he's armed with, but something's happening. Something's changing. A stronger man is come along. Now, now, clearly, I'm the stronger man in this situation, right? <laughs> I know, it's an obvious implication. That's what makes this story so good. So Jesus comes along, and he says, Satan, you've had this up until now. You've had this right. You've had this reign. You had all these tools in your arsenal. Let me tell you what I'm gonna do, Satan. (laughs) I'm really getting into this. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, first of all, I'm gonna take sin and and, and I'm gonna divest you of that. And when I divide the spoil, I'm gonna issue forgiveness to all of my children. And and I'm gonna take bondage and oppression away from you, and what I'm gonna divide is liberation. It's back there, Jared, uh, away from you, and I'm going to divide. I'm going to issue. I'm going to release eternal life to all of my children. This is what's happening. Thank you, say. I mean, Marcus. You guys will never look at him the same way again, will you? And Jesus is saying, "This is huge. This is what's happening." The kingdom of heaven has arrived. It's here. I've brought it with me. And it is overcoming the kingdom of the world and Satan who resides over that himself. He's flipping it on its end. He's subduing it. He says if a stronger man comes along, he overcomes him. To overcome means to subdue, to achieve victory, to conquer. That word in the Greek is a word called Nikeo, which means victory. Did you know that that's actually where the company Nike got its name? Nikeo is how the Greek god Nike, that name, came about. And Nike said, well, we just like the idea of victory. So that's why they named their company that. So, But Jesus, the point of that is that Jesus is saying, I've come along and I've overcome. I've achieved the victory and I have subdued, flipped on in, Satan and his kingdom as it was before now, it will never be the same way again after this. Isn't that powerful? You know, this whole windstorm thing we just had last night, this morning, I wake up, Katie comes running into me, babe, 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 you, you, gotta, you gotta come out here, you gotta see this, you gotta see this. And so, you know, the first thing I'm thinking is, are we going to the hospital? I mean, <laughs> you know, one of the kids bleeding, what's going on? You know? And so I walk out, and all the kids are lined up on the couch, six of them, mind you, I got six, yeah. <laughs> They just keep going, going, going. And they're all lying on the couch. They're all staring out the window, looking outside. And I'm like, the suspense is killing me. Like, what's going on? They're all pointing. They won't say a word. They're pointing. Look, look, look. And so I look out the window, and I see that the trampoline that was in the front yard last night when I went to bed is now in the backyard, in the woods, flipped upside down, and dismantled. I know, I know. It's a sad thing. It's 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 wrecked. I'm pretty sure. Got to check it out today when we go. But it made me think, like, wow, what a perfect picture for this message today. It, God, Jesus comes along with a superior kingdom and force, and flips. Satan's authority and the kingdom of the world as it's been afflicting man for thousands of years now And flips it over on its end subdues it and achieves a victory in this process hallelujah, and you know, what's awesome Is that we as children's of God children of God? This is what I want you to get today is that we become partakers of that victory you see the Bible says that when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, that we're born again and that we become, get this, citizen. Heavenly kingdom. Take a look at this in Philippians chapter 3. I'll show you this. It says in verse 20 For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly await for the Savior, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is huge folks, because when we're born into the world, we're born in under the law of sin and death. We're actually born into the kingdom of the world. When we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, we exchange our citizenship. You get that? We forfeit, I don't want to be a citizen of this inferior kingdom. I'll become a citizen of a superior kingdom, a heavenly realm to which it reigns from. And we said that's, that's what you get. Jesus said, that's what I'm purchasing for you. That's what I'm bestowing upon you. That's what I am extravagantly just going to bless and release over your life, is that you are a part of being an overcomer. You've actually achieved this victory. So much so that this citizenship, look, it's legitimate. It's completely legitimate under the laws of heaven. Now, there's a very uh, polarizing issue, of course, going on politically today around the topic of illegal immigration. And I'm not going to go into any of that. I I just want to say this one point about that, that from everything I've read, everything I've seen, heard, and people I've talked to, pretty much, by and large, people on both sides of the fence on that issue agree that it is a very good thing and necessary for our country to have a legal process to which people can become citizens of this nation. We welcome them in, and then they go through a legal process, become citizens of this nation, and then enjoy all the rights and privileges that come along with being a citizen of this nation. We support that. And when we become uh, born again, and we receive the Spirit of God, we, because of the blood of Jesus washing us clean, legally, if you will, are now citizens, part of the familial status, the family of God in a legitimate way because Jesus came to be the propitiation, the way and the truth and the life for us to get there. And we exchange citizenship. Isn't that amazing? It says that your names are written in the the kingdom of heaven. Your names are recorded there. It's in the book of life. I mean, I can't even imagine what that book looks like up there in the sky, How big it is. But this is what I know, according to the word of God, that when we accept Christ in our heart, our names get written down there. They get recorded there. And it says that for those who are against God, who have not received him, their names are written in the earth. In Jeremiah, it says that. It's written in the dust. You see Jesus said, right here, he says, you're either for me or you're against me. If you're not with me, you're against me. we got to get this. Folks, there's no neutrality. There's no middle place that we can get comfortable in it's not there it's it's one or the other he says you're either with me the world it's always pulling at us it's all i mean the bible says the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one he's always trying to draw us in to the rules the limitations and the bondages of an inferior kingdom because if he can get us to serve him serve the rules of his kingdom and not that which are from heaven, then he will thwart, he will stifle the destiny, the works of God that are on our lives that he's calling us to. I love the way Paul says this. He says, you know, when you become a citizen of heaven, it's kind of like this. You become a stranger in the world. He says it's like you're a sojourner or a pilgrim, meaning now it's more like you're a citizen of a place that isn't here, and you're just walking in a place that's foreign and that's, that's not your eternal home. It's just a temporary stay. we got to get that picture. We've got to understand that, that. Yeah, we walk the earth. Jesus said, hey, I don't pray that you take them out of the world, but just keep them from the evil one. He's got a mission. He's got assignment for us here. He's got us here for a reason, but we've got to know if we're going to walk that assignment out in faith and in power and in victory, we got to know where we belong. we got to know where our citizenship and our allegiance is to, and if we'll follow the principles of the kingdom of heaven, what God says about us in his word, then what we will do is, that just like Jesus did, is that we will bring the kingdom of heaven into the world and it will collide and we, through the authority in us, will turn that thing and Satan on its heels and we'll keep them from being able to stifle the work God wants to do in our life. Isn't that powerful? That's why Jesus said, he says, look, the kingdom of heaven, it's not like you can observe it here or observe it there. It's within you. The kingdom of heaven is within you. Now, I can't stress this enough. This is not figurative language. This isn't a parable. This is literal, meaning the reign, the basilia, the kingdom of heaven, it's within you. And all the rights and authority and reign that heaven has brought down, it's in you, and you are free to exercise that authority. And here's what happens. We walk along in a world, an inferior kingdom. Satan, prince of the power of the air, overseeing this area, trying to destroy us, to devour us. And then these rules of the world come along. You're nobody. You're not forgiven. You've messed up too much. It's hopeless. Nobody cares about you. All of these lies, these things that Satan uses in his tactics, in his armor. And what we have to do is we have to know what are the rights of our true citizenship. What are the privileges of our place of belonging? And then when we see that the rules of the world are beginning to come to our doorstep and oppose the rules of the kingdom that we serve, we've got to go to war. We have to rise up and go to war and say, no, this is exercise that authority, demonstrate that authority. And I can tell you this, when a person does that in faith, according to the word of God, what it says about who they are and what they have in Christ, when faith is present and they exercise that, Satan will always take a knee. He will always bow because his kingdom has already been defeated. He's already been conquered. There's just this interesting dynamic right now that from the point we are until Christ returns. See, when he comes again... And, he, and the world is destroyed and burned up and a new heaven and a new earth are established and Satan himself is thrown into the lake of fire, it's gone. Sin and evil and everything are gone. But right now, we're in the world where we have to exercise faith to see the kingdom of heaven prevail while Satan is still kind of roaming around for this temporary period and seeing who he can seek and devour and destroy. And where there's no faith and there's no knowledge of who we are and where our citizenship belongs, he will take advantage of that every single time he can. Are you with me? Listen to this in 1 John chapter 5. He says, Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. He, or who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. He's saying right here, When Jesus said, the stronger man comes along, overcomes the strong man and defeated him, Jesus did that. But then it's saying right here in 1 John chapter 5, guess what? The nature of the overcomer, it's in you. You actually get that. I mean, when when God poured out his Holy Spirit at the day of Pentecost, do you know part of what he did? He poured the spirit of the overcomer into us. He poured the victory, the position that we hold and stand in into us so that we can walk in a place where Christ is reigning from every day in our lives, and it will be a war. I'm just telling you, it'll be a war, and you'll have to exercise faith. That The weapons uh, that we wrestle with, that we use, they're not carnal, right? They're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. They're spiritual. They're heavenly. Faith. We must use these things and what God says about who we are and what we have and walk in that faith so that we can walk in the victory that Christ has already purchased for us. Is anybody hearing this today? Amen. Yeah, let's get a... Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So let me just kind of close with this. I think that it is my heart so much is to help us in the body of Christ to know who we are, what our identity is. It it was such an extravagant price that Jesus paid. I mean, it was extreme. In a heavenly kingdom. It was extreme. And I, I want to help us know who we are and what we have. Because what a tragedy to live our lives as a citizen of a superior kingdom with extravagant rights and privileges that are ours, that have been passed to us through Jesus' purchase. To have that, yet live every day or in this world according to the limitations of an inferior kingdom. And Satan would love to bind you up and box you in and say, serve the world and serve me. That's why Paul even says in Romans, he says it like this, and I'll close. He says, whatever you obey, whatever your allegiance is to, is it to the world? Is it to heaven? Whatever you obey, you become a slave to. Wow. Wow. If I'm obeying the world, I have to understand, I am being enslaved to the principles of the world. And my life will never go beyond those limitations. My destiny will never reach beyond those boundaries. But if my allegiance and my obedience is to a different kingdom and a different heavenly realm then the Bible says we become slaves in Christ in the sense that he has stolen our heart and wrestled our heart. Just like Paul said, I go bound in the spirit to the call that God has upon my life. I am bound to Jesus and the Holy Spirit and where he leads me. And that will be the prevailing kingdom and authority in my life every single day. I pray that we live every day from a place of authority and the reign of heaven in our lives the way Jesus has died and purchased for you to have. We are called to great things, folks. Great and mighty things which we cannot even know, Jeremiah says. And he says in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, he says, look, God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly, really more than you can even think or ask for. It's actually bigger than you can even have, that you have the capacity to pray for. Don't you love that you serve a God like that? I mean, it's huge. He's called us to these great and mighty things, heavenly purposes, but they will not be achieved if we're serving the world. They will not be achieved if we walk according to the limitations of an inferior kingdom. Amen?